Amen. Remain standing and let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 4 this morning. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 14. The title of today's message is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Today we will uh, finish our series through the book of Philippians. Uh, tonight will be the final message. I encourage you to come back and be a part of that. As Brother Paul mentioned, next Sunday we're going to start a brand new series uh, studying the chapter of Hebrews 11 and building a foundation of faith. So I invite you to come back and start the year right. You finish strong, uh, so start 2024 right in God's house with God's people. Philippians 4, verse number 14 We'll read down to verse number 20. The word of God says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye, Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And verse 19 will be our focus for today. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now trusting you to, um, to keep this promise. Lord, help us understand what this word and this promise means to us today. And I pray that we would be reminded of this great truth, that you truly are our provider. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Jehovah Jireh. That is a name given to God or ascribed to God by the great patriarch, Abraham. If you recall the story, God gave Abraham a very unusual command. God gave him a command that really he gave no one else in Scripture. Abraham was called by God to offer his son, Isaac, the son whom he loved, as a sacrifice to the Lord. Abraham and Isaac rose up early in the morning. There were a few servants with them. Eventually, they left the servants behind, and they continued to ascend to Mount Moriah, the place of offering. You can imagine Isaac, from his perspective, as he looks around, he sees all the instruments for a sacrifice, but the most important thing, which was what? The sacrifice, the offering. Where was the animal? Where was the lamb? And he inquired about it. Abraham said, God shall provide himself a sacrifice. When they finally did ascend to Mount Moriah, it was there that Abraham raised his knife against his son. But right before his knife came to his son's throat, an angel of the Lord stopped Abraham. And there, caught in the thicket, was a ram. God did indeed provide himself a sacrifice. It is there in Genesis 22, verse 14, that Abraham named that place in uh, memoriam to this event. Genesis 22, verse 14, it says, And Abraham 
called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means God will provide. Abraham did not say God did provide, but that God will provide. And my hope this morning is to encourage uh, the church that God still provides. Can you say amen to that? God has always provided for our church. When we first came to the city of Circleville, God provided a cafeteria at Everett's Middle School. He provided chairs. He provided a sound equipment. He provided lots of dollies for those chairs and many faithful workers as well. Then God provided an elementary school beside McDonald's. He provided the means for us to remodel that into what we called a church for a time. Then when our boiler caught fire and we were without heat in the middle of winter, God provided this beautiful building that we are in today. God has provided servants and Sunday school teachers and junior church workers and youth leaders and nursery workers. And everybody said amen to that. <laughs> he has provided cleaning teams, mowing teams, secretary, a staff, deacons, and trustees. He has provided in abundance financially for our church. I'll never forget when we first planted the church, when we were sent out of Lighthouse Chillicothe to become our own independent work, the first month that the finances were run through Circleville and not through Mama, our sending church, we got our big britches on and now we're going to pay our own bills, all right? The very first month, the account ran into the red. I remember printing a check, my check. We had paid all the bills, everything that we had owed everyone else, and I printed my check, and I knew I cannot cash this check. We don't have the funds in the account for me to have a paycheck this week. If I cash it, it'll bounce. And I remember sitting there in my office, holding that check in my hand, and praying, saying, God, you have called us out in faith. You have never failed us before, and you won't start now. God, we believe you will provide, and he has abundantly provided. From that moment forward, we have never been in the red. Again, the building that we're in now, we don't owe a single penny toward. God still provides. He has supplied all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He has not failed us, not even once. And can I say, this new year will be no different. The same God who has provided in the past will provide this year. I personally believe that we as a church will see God provide in 2024 in a greater way than we have ever experienced as a church. We personally know the truth of this great promise from Scripture. Do yourself a, a favor sometime and read some of the stories from the great you know, men and women of faith from old. Men like George Mueller. George Mueller was a man of faith. He was a prayer warrior. Near the end of his life, he admitted to reading the Bible about 200 times. 100 of those times on his knees. Apparently, if you went to his house 
there were indentations in the wood floors beside his bed where he prayed and read on his knees. Here's what Mueller did. He found God's promises, he believed them, and then acted accordingly. He has a tremendous testimony. George Mueller kept records of all of his prayer requests and then the date of God answering that prayer request in a journal that people can still read today. You'll find that his testimony includes the specific answer to more than 50,000 prayers in his lifetime. 5,000 of those were answered on the day that George Mueller asked God for it. That's why we talk about praying specific prayers, so God can answer in a specific way, and we know without a shadow of a doubt when God shows up. On one occasion, things looked very bleak for George Mueller and the children of his orphanage at Ashley Downs in England. It was time for breakfast. There was no food. A small girl whose father was a close friend to Mueller was visiting the home. George Mueller took her hand and said, Come and see what our father will do. In the dining room, there were long tables set where the children were at, empty plates and empty mugs. There was no food in the kitchen, and there was no money in the accounts. Mueller prayed, Dear God, we thank you for what you are going to give us to eat. Amen. Immediately, there was a knock at the door. When they opened the door, there stood the local baker. Mr. Mueller, he said, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow, I felt you had no bread for breakfast, so I got up at 2 in the morning and break, baked fresh bread. Here it is. Mueller thanked him. He gave praise to God. Soon, there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman whose cart had conveniently broken down right in front of George Mueller's orphanage. He said, would you take this milk for the children? Could you need it while I uh, fix the cart? George Mueller said, thank you. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And the promise that Paul assures the Philippians of is that truth, that God still provides. Look there in verse 19 at that key verse. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you today. God still provides. I have four points this morning. Let's start number one first with the stipulation. The stipulation. We don't like fine print, right? Uh, we don't like all the side effects, all right? We just want, you know, the goods. Well, we want the promise, but there is a stipulation to this promise. It's not automatic. There are certain prerequisites. There's actually a very important word at the beginning of our key verse. We can't overlook this word. It's very easily missed. And that's the word, but. That's an important word. Because that word, but, is like a bridge that connects two cities together. That word connects two verses. Verse 19 and verse 18. You see, that word, but, is pointing us to the context of this 
promise. They say when studying scripture that context is king, and it is. As a matter of fact, a text without context is a pretext for failure. You need to have context. Let us not make the unfortunate mistake of plucking one verse out of the Bible while ignoring all the verses that surround it, right? So what is the context of this amazing promise? What precedes the promise? Here it is. Paul recognizes the Philippians had sacrificially given to meet his needs. Let me read back through verses 14 through 18, and we'll kind of pause along the way. In verse number 14, Paul says, Notwithstanding, ye have done well. Let me pause there for a second. Before this, Paul, what did he just tell the believers? Now, we took a break from Philippians for a few weeks. We were doing some Christmas messages and themes. But what was Paul saying before this? I'll tell you what he was saying. I have learned to abound and to be abased. I have learned to be hungry and to be full, to have all and to suffer need. And then Paul says this, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now if you're the Philippians and you have just sent a large financial gift to Paul and then you get the letter back and Paul is saying things like, Basically, I don't need it. <laughs> I can be content in any situation. You're probably going to start feeling bad as the Philippians. Like, man, what, what was the point of sending it? This guy doesn't need anything that we have. No, no, no. He says, notwithstanding, ye have done or well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. The Philippians shared in Paul's affliction by sending him financial gifts to support his ministry. Look at verse number 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. They supported Paul when no one else did. Verse number 16. For even in Thessalonica, Ye sent once and again unto my necessity. It doesn't say anything about the Thessalonians given to Paul. But while he was there, the Philippians, they don't just give to him once, but multiple times they met Paul's needs. How generous was this church? How loving were they? And by the way, they were broke. The Macedonian churches were poor. And I, and I should distinguish, there's a difference between being broke and being poor. You might say, I'm broke right now, <laughs> Pastor Nathan. There's a difference between being broke and being poor. They were poor in deep poverty, and yet they sacrificially met the needs of this apostle. Verse number 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul was not after their money. He's not like some of the other preachers in that day who were in it for what they could get out of it. You see, we have to be really careful of our interpretation of this promise. This passage is, you could call it a prosperity preacher's dream. It has been used to uh, twist it and used to manipulate Christians for years. 
they say it sort of like this. If you sow a seed of faith, you heard this before? If you just, if you'll sow a seed of faith, God will supply your needs and pour out blessings on you. The Philippians gave to Paul's ministry and the Lord met their needs. If you give to our ministry, then God will meet your needs. You ever hear maybe a televangelist say something like that? I would say, wait a second. The Philippians gave to a ministry and a man in actual need, in prison, hungry, and afflicted. Not some greasy-haired, Armani-suit-wearing TV preacher who's living in a penthouse, flying in their private jet, sitting on a golden toilet seat. You understand what I'm saying? These are not the same thing, okay? Paul was in actual need. (laughs) Once I saw a giving campaign by a televangelist that challenged people everywhere to sow a seed of $54.17. Specific. $54.17. And you're like, why so specific? Well, he plucked a verse out of Scripture, twisted it, took it out of its context, and he tried to use it to grow his ministry financially Isaiah 54 verse 17 here was the verse that he used no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me saith the Lord so you know what he promised this prosperity preacher if you sow in Isaiah 54, 17 seed, and you give our ministry $54.17, then your miracle will come, and healing will come. And if you do this in faith, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Nothing can touch you, is what he said. Nothing can touch you. I'd like to say someone should have told that to the soldier that cut off the Apostle Paul's head. Or to Isaiah himself, who was killed for following the Lord. So does that mean Isaiah didn't have enough faith? Or Paul didn't have enough faith? There was one preacher who suggested this same televangelist, Isaiah 54, said $54.17. He said what he needs to do is he needs to go forward one more verse in Isaiah. To the next chapter, Isaiah 55, verse number 1, and have people give $55.01. That's 84 whole more cents, all right, per person. But why didn't he choose the next verse? Well, here's what Isaiah 55, 1 says. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye by eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 2, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Verse 3, incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. The invitation of Scripture is that all may come freely. Listen, Jesus never sold miracles when he was here on earth, and he's not in the business of selling miracles today. 
And yet we have to be really careful because unfortunately, people will take an amazing promise like Philippians 4.19. They'll pluck it out of their context. They'll twist it around. They'll manipulate people. And it hurts the body of Christ. Context is important. It's been said the Bible is not a random collection of verses that may be interpreted in isolation. To properly understand any passage, one must interpret it in light of the paragraphs immediately preceding and following it, the chapter or section it is in, and the book containing it. Context provides the flow of thought in which any given passage of Scripture exists. To ignore context is to sacrifice a proper interpretation. Paul was not after their money. He was after their blessing. He wanted fruit for them in heaven. Verse 18 of Philippians 4 says, Paul says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says, I am full. They went beyond Paul's need. This was a sacrificial gift. The way he pictures it, he says, it's like the, the incense that is burnt in the temple. And the odor ascends to heaven. Your gift has a sweet smell that has ascended into heaven to the throne of God. And because they met Paul's need, Paul says, my God will meet your need. Now there is application that could be made for all Christians. But in context, this promise was given to specific believers who had sacrificially given to the work of the Lord. Now here's the point. We all want the promise of Philippians 4.19, but are we willing to do Philippians 4.18? We want the promise, and we want to claim that God will meet our needs. But will we be obedient like the Philippians did? You can't expect to squander everything God has given you on yourself and then God to step in and meet your need. That's not what he is saying here. No, instead, Paul is saying because the Philippians had given sacrificially, generously, willingly, Paul assured them God would meet their need. He says, you met my need, God is going to meet your need. You met one need that I have, God will meet all your needs. You gave out of your poverty, God will supply your needs out of his riches in glory. The point, whatever the Lord's will is for your life, he will always provide everything you need to accomplish what he has called you to do. Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. That's the stipulation. Number two, let's look at the source just quickly. Go back to verse number 19 as we find the source of this supply. What is the source? Verse 19, but my God. What's the source? My God. The value of a promise depends entirely upon the one making the promise. 
Let me say that again. The value of a promise depends entirely upon the one making the promise. My God. Paul could not repay the Philippians, but God could, and he would. He is the only one who can meet your need. He is the supplier, the source. Now you might say, but, but God used a person to meet my need. Yeah, God may use people to meet our needs, but it is the Lord who first puts it in their hands or gives them the strength or gives them the faith to meet our needs in the first place. God is the source of our supply. It is His very nature to provide for His church and His people. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 9, Jesus asked this question, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, I love this part, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? How much more? For, for all the dads in the room, I know that it is your heart to provide for and give to your children. And if that is the heart of every earthly, sinful father in this room, how much more does God yearn to provide for his children? The source is God himself. Let us not forget where our supply comes from. It's not from you. It's not from your strength. It's not from your bank account. He is the source. I remember a story of uh, an old evangel or an evangelist. It's an old story about an evangelist and a preacher. This evangelist comes into town. He's preaching in a particular church. Somehow the pastor and the evangelist get into a conversation about giving, about finances. And the evangelist shamefully admits, Pastor, financially I've been struggling. We've been in need. And I'm ashamed to say that I haven't been giving to the Lord as I should. I haven't been faithful to tithe. I haven't been given. I'm afraid if I do, I have nothing left. <laughs> I'm afraid if I do, that, that I'll go without food. The pastor said, I want you to do something. He said, let me give you a challenge. Let me know if you'll do this. He said, if I promise that over the next year, if you give God first, and you give to the Lord as he has required us to do, if you give God first, I promise that if you ever are in need, over the next year, you have a need, you don't have food, you don't have a place to stay, you, you, whatever it is, you call me up, and I will financially, personally meet your need. He said, would you take that challenge? The evangelist said, uh, I guess, sure. He said, if you have any need, if you lack anything at any point in time, Call me, and I will personally write you a check, send you some money, and we'll take care of the need. He says, okay, fine, I'll do it. The year goes by. That evangelist came back to that church. He'd never called the pastor, by the way. And the pastor said, so how are things going? And he said, preacher, <laughs> you'll never believe it. 
I decided to give God first, to God first, sacrificially. It hurt, but I gave to him faithfully over the past 12 months, and not one time, not once, was I in lack of anything. God provided for me. And then the man started to weep, and the preacher said, why are you weeping? He said, I'm weeping because I trusted you and your word to meet my need. But I didn't trust God. He's the source. Number one, the stipulation. Secondly, the source. Number three, the certainty. It's not an S, but it sounds like it, okay? Notice the promise. But my God shall supply shall supply not might supply or could supply or wants to supply your need he shall supply your need Spurgeon said if this God will supply you will be supplied there's no question about it this is not a future promise as we live in glory this is a present certainty God will supply your need To supply means to be filled to the brim. It gives us the idea of a cup that is overflowing. Psalm 34 verse 9 says this, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Verse 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I think Jesus said it something like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat. Seek first his kingdom. Back in Matthew 7, verse number 7, Jesus, it's as if he's pleading with us. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 8, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. The Bible says that God owns the cattle upon a thousand hills, the fullness of the earth thereof, and God owns all of it, and he is saying to you, ask me, seek me, knock, and it shall be opened. Most of the time, we don't just trust God enough to knock. We just don't ask. And And I'm not sure why, even in my own life, why don't I ask more? You know, when we give to someone, oftentimes there's some hesitancy when we give. You see somebody, maybe they're out, they're standing on the side of the road, they got a sign, and maybe in your heart, you're like, I I feel like I should help this person. But then in your flesh, you think, what are they going to do with it? Is he going to walk out with a flat screen TV out of Walmart? Has he got a sweet ride around the corner? What's he going to use this for? Sometimes when we give, there's some hesitancy on our part to sort of let it go. Can I say this? With the Lord, there is no hesitancy to meet our need. There is, however, a hesitancy on our part To ask. Sometimes we just don't ask. You have not because you ask not. 
It's hard to explain why. Do we think God can't meet our need? Do we think that he doesn't want to meet our need? Or maybe our need is not important enough? Never felt like that? This is too small to bring to God? This isn't that important? Can I remind you of Romans 8, verse 32? It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God gave you what is greatest, his own son, to die on the cross for your sins, what could you possibly ask God for that would be more than that? Nothing. Nothing. I know that there are many in this room who have personally experienced God's supernatural provision in your life. It didn't make sense, and God provided. On paper, it didn't add up, but the Lord provided. There is a certainty that comes with this promise. Number four, lastly, the sufficiency. We're back to the S's, all right? The sufficiency. It says, but my God shall supply all your need. All. Now, I did some study on that, a deep dive, so you wouldn't have to, into the Greek language. And I found that the word all actually means all. all right? It means everything. And God says, I, not just some of it, but all your need. That means that his riches are inexhaustible. Not a few or some, but all. Not your greed, by the way, but your need. Not your wishes and wants, but your need. And I think that word need is God's definition of need. And he knows what we need better than we know what we need. God does not spoil his children, by the way. What we want is not always what we need. And not what we think we need, but what we actually need. Why doesn't God spoil all of his children? Well, because if he did, we would probably become lazy and stop depending on him. You see, God doesn't often provide an abundance of resources because if he did, we'd probably feel like we don't need him anymore. We would stop praying. We would probably stop looking to him as our provider. We may even be tempted to forget that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides. Sometimes when we get in a need, and I'm, I'm not just trying to convict you. I'm, I'm convicting myself here. I just want somebody else to be convicted, all right? So let's do this together. Can I say this, all right? The early service didn't get this. This is just free for the late service, all right? You're my favorite. No, <laughs> don't tell the, oh, this is live stream. No, I'm just kidding. They are, they're not watching anyways. They're out eating breakfast somewhere right now. There are a remnant here of the, anyways. <coughs> I just think about this for a second. There used to be a time where we had 
to depend on God to meet our needs. We had to. For the most part, that time has passed us by. Because now, before I depend on God, sometimes before I even ask God, I'll just pull out my wallet, and I got something called a credit card. And I'll swipe that before I even go to the Lord and ask him to meet my need. Why doesn't God spoil us? <coughs> Proverbs 30, verse number 8 says this. Remove far from me vanity and lies. This is a weird prayer. Give me neither poverty nor riches. He says, I don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. Why? Feed me with food, con food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord you know, when we are hungry, we remember where the bread comes from. But when we are full, often we forget who our provider is. Can I remind you of what Jesus taught his disciples when he was teaching them how to pray? In Matthew 6, verse 11, he said, Give us this day our, what? Daily bread. Why? Because if he gave us bread enough for tomorrow, we probably wouldn't depend on him tomorrow. I think everyone here will truly find that God goes beyond all our needs. You know, sometimes what we need is the strength to endure and persevere through the hardship. Our need isn't to have a life of comfort or ease. Sometimes our need is endurance to persevere. All your need. Again, please notice that this promise was made to the Philippians who had surrendered their financial and material possessions to God's service with the right heart. The promise is simply expressing what Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 38. He said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. That's a principle of the New Testament. The Old Testament, we find this principle as well. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. That doesn't make sense. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Verse 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. You know the, the picture that we're getting there? The picture is that there are two men. One man keeps all that he has, and yet he loses it. Another man goes. It's the picture of a farmer. He goes, he buys seed, which is a risk, by the way, he then takes that seed upon which he has spent all of his money and he scatters it. He literally throws it away and yet because he scatters it, he receives the greater increase. Here is the principle. The Philippians had given out of their deep 
poverty. They had given and scattered. Yet because they had scattered, Paul says you will reap a spiritual harvest. One more time, verse 19 of Philippians 4. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Really quickly, notice it says according to his riches and not out of his riches. That, there's a very important difference there. Not out of his riches, but according to his riches. Let's say a, a millionaire or a billionaire walked into your living room. Let's say an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates or somebody walked into your living room and said they were going to give you money out of their riches. You might get pretty wide-eyed at that moment. And but if they were to give you $5,000 or $5, they would still be telling the truth because they're giving out of their riches. To give according to their riches would be a gift in proportion to their wealth. You follow what I'm saying? The Lord doesn't say he's giving us out of his riches, but according to his riches. He gives above and beyond what we need. How unlimited are his riches? It's been said that God's work done God's way for God's glory will not lack God's provision. He will provide. And where are these riches? In glory. Paul gives us the address. Where are these riches kept? In glory. In heaven. Heaven is so filled with the glory of God that it is often just called glory. There is no recession or depression in glory. Can you say amen to that? There is no inflation in glory. There is nothing that will change the value in glory. There are no thieves who will steal these riches in glory. There are no moths to devour these riches. There is no rust to corrupt these riches in glory. They are safe and secure in the treasury vaults of heaven. And notice that it is Jesus Christ himself that is the distributor of these riches. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once learned this amazing truth from Philippians 4.19. He was preaching. He was trying to raise money for poor children in London. So he went to Bristol hoping to collect about 300 pounds, which was a huge amount of money in that day. It would be equal to tens of thousands of dollars today. He was raising this money for London's homeless children. At the end of the week, the meetings went well. Lives had been changed. His financial goal was met, all of it. That night, as he bowed in prayer, Charles Spurgeon was prompted by the Spirit of God to give the entire sum of the money away to a co-laborer of Christ named George Mueller. Spurgeon said, oh no, Lord, <laughs> I need it for my own dear orphans. And yet Spurgeon couldn't shake the idea that God wanted him to 
part with it. It was only when Spurgeon said, okay, yes, Lord, I will, that he was finally able to go to sleep. With great peace, he made his way the next morning to Mueller's orphanage. He found the great man of God, ironically, on his knees in prayer. The famous minister placed his hand on Mueller's shoulder and said, George, God has told me to give to to you the 300 pounds I've collected. Mueller said, oh my dear brother, I was just asking God for exactly that amount. The two servants of the Lord wept together and they rejoiced. When Spurgeon returned to London, unbeknownst to anyone of the sacrifice he had made, he found an envelope on his desk containing more than 300 pounds. The Lord had returned what he had obediently and sacrificially given to George Mueller and gave him some interest on top of it. Spurgeon learned what another generous believer once said, I shovel out, God shovels in, but his shovel is much bigger than mine. It may not be a monetary gift, but you can be sure that if we are sacrificially, willingly, generously, joyfully giving to the work of the Lord, this promise belongs to you. God will supply your need, not according to your riches, but according to His riches in glory by Jesus Christ. And church, the God who provided for Abraham on Mount Moriah, the God who provided for Paul in the prison cell, the God who provided for the Philippians and Charles Spurgeon and George Mueller is still providing today. God will provide. Would you stand with me this morning? As you stand, if you would bow for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Before our time of invitation, let me just ask a question. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Nathan, I know that my sins have been forgiven. I am a child of God because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand as a testimony to that today? Amen. All around, you may put those down. Is there one or maybe many here who would say, Pastor Nathan, I'm, I'm not sure that if I were to die today that I would go to heaven. I don't know that heaven would be my home. Would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Is there anyone here like that today? Say, pray for me, Pastor Nathan. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand for just a moment? I won't come to where you're at or embarrass you. just want to pray for you. Christian, have you forgotten this great truth? Your God is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. Maybe this morning you want to come and trust Him with an area in your life, something maybe you've been trying to do in your own strength and in your own power according to your own will. 
Maybe you want to come today and just seek his kingdom first. Lord, we thank you for providing for us above and beyond everything that we could ever ask or need. Lord, give us what we need. Not too much, not too little, so that we don't forget who you are, so that we don't forget where our bread comes from. Lord, we'll glorify you through giving sacrificially, lovingly, willingly, with the right heart. God, everything already belongs to you. Let us trust you more and more every day. We've seen you provide already. Let us trust that you will provide in the future. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.